You are now listening to the Social Selling Podcast. Introducing your host, Daniel Disney. Let this be your playbook for social selling. Learn to paint a vivid picture with storytelling so compelling that they have to click. Build a brand that sticks. So listen up, we're about to give you all our tips and tricks. Let this be your playbook for social selling. Learn to paint a vivid picture with storytelling so compelling that they have to click. Build a brand that sticks. So listen up, Daniel Disney in the mix. They say that your net worth's your net worth, but you don't really know where to start first. No need to stress, learn from the best, every episode after the next. Step away from the ways that we used to sell. Nowadays, emails don't do so well. Cold calls getting wrote off. Oh no. But you can amplify that when you social sell. Daniel Disney will provide. What a guy. The ultimate LinkedIn sales guide. Daniel Disney will provide. What a guy. The ultimate LinkedIn sales guide. Let this be your playbook for social selling. Learn to paint a vivid picture with storytelling so compelling that they have to click. Build a brand that sticks. So listen up, we're about to give you all our tips and tricks. Tips and tricks. Damn, Daniel. Hello and welcome to the Social Selling Podcast with me, your host, Daniel Disney. This show is designed to bring you the latest, greatest tips, tricks, and strategies in the world of LinkedIn and social selling. First of all, I want to say a huge thank you to our two amazing sponsors. First of all, Gong.io, the biggest and best revenue intelligence platform. They help you capture customer interactions across calls, meetings, and emails, understand what's being said in those interactions, and deliver real-time insights that help you win more deals. So please make sure you go and check out Gong if you haven't already. And also Outreach, the biggest and best sales engagement platform out there. They help you drive efficient growth with every single interaction by making every customer-facing rep wildly productive, optimizing customer lifecycle for revenue fit, and collaborating securely at scale. So go and check out Outreach. Go and check out Gong. We're grateful for their support. And with that, let's dig in to today's episode. Hello and welcome back to the Social Selling Podcast. I am back for an awesome episode today with a guest I'm really, really excited to have with me. As many of you know, the passion for me for doing this podcast was to bring in real social sellers, real people, salespeople of all positions who are out there actually using LinkedIn and generating great results because that's the insights that really, really matter. And today I've got a, a lovely lady who's creating a lot of amazing content and also doing a lot of stuff behind the scenes with messaging very, very effectively on LinkedIn. So Holly, Alan, thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Daniel. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on the podcast. This is actually my first ever appearance um, on a podcast. So slightly nervous, but very excited at the same time. <laughs> well, don't be nervous. Uh, I remember my first podcast interview, to be fair, was quite scary. But this is, as I've, I've sort of mentioned, this is going to be a really informal chat. We're just going to talk about all things sales, LinkedIn and social selling. Uh, and I know you've got a ton of experience. So we'll have tons of stories uh, to tell. Um, what I want to kind of kick this off with, Holly, is I know you're actually very new into, into sales and just in your second month having come from recruitment. So I'd love for you to just share your kind of story through recruitment when you kind of first started using LinkedIn and then that sort of more recent transition into, into software sales. 
Yeah, absolutely. So before I joined G2, um, which was around two months ago, I worked for a recruitment company um, for around 10 months. And um, during that time, I did a little bit on LinkedIn, um, but not loads, just as my kind of focus uh, when I was there was more like cold calling um, and just reaching out, reaching out to people that way. Whereas though since I've joined G2, something I really wanted to kind of take on was the social selling element. So whether that's video messaging, whether that's posting content um, and sending voice notes and things like that. And I'll be honest, I found it a really effective way to reach out to people. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited to you know discuss more about that on this podcast. Yeah, no, I, I love that you've got that kind of insight from sort of two ends. Quick question, um, sort of reflecting back to when you were in recruitment, how did you find cold calling? How did you find it as an individual from the doing it perspective, but also how did you find it was kind of received from the people that you were cold calling? Yeah. So when I started, obviously I was terrified as anyone is. And I'll be honest, even now when I'm picking up the phone, it's still scary. Um, But when I was in recruitment, my kind of target um, prospects were graduates. So picking up the phone and speaking with a grad is a lot more kind of informal. You can be a lot more, you know, cheeky with them. Um, And obviously as someone that had just graduated myself, we had a lot in common so I got quite comfortable with it. Um, and obviously now stepping into G2, the people I'm phoning are, you know, CEOs of companies. And obviously, you know, as a BDR, you can be quite intimidated and feel a bit scared when seeing their title. Um, but a little tip and something that I always do is before I call that person, I go onto their LinkedIn profile and I scroll down uh, through their like previous job roles And I basically find, you know, where they started out and it might be intern or sales development representative. And that just reminds me like, okay, this person is a normal human being. They've started out where I am um, and it makes it slightly less daunting. Holly, that could be one of the single best cold calling tips I have ever heard. I had never even thought about doing something like that. And to everyone listening, what a fantastic tip. Because, I, I, you know, I'm all for that leveling the playing field. I think a lot of salespeople get so scared and intimidated by the prospects they're trying to reach, the decision makers, especially ones, you know, higher up the chain. And you're absolutely right. A, they're human beings, just like all of us. B, throughout the sales process, they need you as much as you need them. They need what you're selling as much as you need them to buy. But I love that as a technique to kind of create that balance. Go look at where they started because chances are they started in, like you say, entry positions, probably similar roles to what you might be in. And, you know, have you ever used that in the conversation? Have you ever sort of talked about where they started? Yeah. So funnily enough, I had a conversation with a guy a few weeks ago and I could see that he'd really climbed the ranks and quite quickly. So he was now like a manager at a business. Um, and I think it was like two years before he'd started out in an SDR role. And that was something that I drew on. I was like, you know, think back to your SDR days, like I'm just doing my job. Um, and I think that really resonated with him as well. So I think it's important for both sides to remember, you know, you're doing your job and ultimately they're salespeople, they will be cold calling as well. So yeah, that's really, really clever. Sort of, again, leveling the playing field, bringing them down to sort of earth and sort of connecting with them on a way. But you're also showing that you've done your homework, which so many salespeople unfortunately don't do. They're quick to just pick up the phone and call and hope for the best and actually spending what, 10 seconds looking through their LinkedIn profile, finding that little bit of information, not only can help calm your nerves and build confidence, but it can also create great conversation. Um, 
So let's transition now. You know, you, you've come from this sort of background in recruitment and obviously from a sort of more traditional selling point. You come to G2, huge software SaaS company, and you start to kind of embrace social. What was that journey like, sort of starting to use it? And I guess kind of coming, coming from scratch. I know you'd sort of started to use LinkedIn. You built a bit of a personal brand. What was it like ramping that up a bit and trying, you know, new things? Yeah. So I'll be completely honest. Every video, even if it's just a minute long, takes me around 30 minutes to record. (laughs) Um, I'm a bit of a perfectionist, so I like to get it perfect. I also don't just want to be posting any old thing on LinkedIn. You know, I want people to actually watch it Mm -hmm. um, and I want it to actually build my personal brand, which is why, you know, I do post videos and I do put the effort into making them, um, you know, as good as they can be. I would say, Something um, that I noticed at first was actually thinking about what content is going to be really useful and insightful to people rather than just posting a video for the sake of it um, was something that I really had to think about. Because I think too often when you're kind of in the LinkedIn game and you're thinking, oh, I haven't posted for three, four days, it's quite easy to think, oh, I'll just post a photo of, I don't know, the sunshine outside and say, reminder, everyone get out. (laughs) a walk, which is great. Um, but I think if you can actually think, okay, what can I post about that someone's going to go, oh yeah, that's actually really useful. I didn't think about that. Or, oh yeah, I want to like go and look at more of her posts and see what else she said. Um, you know, that's what you want to do. You want to post and have a purpose not just post for the sake of it. So yeah, that was something I definitely had to kind of think about. Um, And I don't necessarily think it's something that you can kind of plan. Um, I certainly don't plan what I'm going to post. For me, it's often, I'll be having the conversation with someone in the day. Um, You know, maybe that's a prospect and something will come up in the conversation. And I'll think, wow, I bet this happens to loads of other BDRs or maybe other BDRs get really stuck on this point, for example. So, you know, I want to go on LinkedIn and talk about that. I love that. I love that. And, and I've got to admit, Holly, I'm, I'm sat here listening to you and I can't help but think this is the, the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast was for the, the sort of insights that, that you are sharing right now, that sort of real front line, actually using it, but also that just that real perspective of what LinkedIn is. And you are right. Unfortunately, some people fall in the trap of, right, I need to post something. What can I post? And ends up with something very tacky, very preachy and you're kind of right to to stop and think and think about the purpose and the value you're going to give through that content. And, you know, I've watched a lot of your videos and not only is the quality fantastic, but what you talk about is so, so, so valuable. Um, what you obviously mentioned about it taking quite a while to get to that final video, I totally relate to. It takes me between eight and 10 takes usually to get the video um, done. Was it scary the first time you recorded yourself and how do you kind of overcome some of those fears? Yeah, so I come from a performing background, which I think certainly helps when it comes to the content. Um, so when I was growing up, I was constantly on stage. Um, you know, if I wasn't kind of put at the front, I would be fighting my way to the front <laughs> because I wanted to be seen. Um, and so I think for me, what I try and think about is almost seeing a video like a bit of a performance. Now. I'll kind of break this down a little bit. While I want it to be, you know, very kind of organic and natural, um, I also think you've got to have, you know, a load of energy and you've got to kind of just put your fears to the side and think, 
I'm doing this because I want people to see it and to watch it. And if I'm really nervous, they're not going to do that. Um, And another thing that I kind of, I personally don't do, and I know that some people do, is read off like a script, for example, or have notes. I think it's great to do that. You know, if you've got, say, a load of numbers or like statistics that you want to you know, talk about, then I can completely understand why you'd have that there. But for me personally, I feel a lot more comfortable if I just turn the camera on. You know, I know that I can stop it at any time and retake if I want to, but just speak freely, um, you know, treat it as like a a little performance, a little mini drama. If it goes wrong, then it goes wrong. Um, And I think that's how you get your personality to shine through. And that's how your videos can stand out as opposed to someone that sounds really like robotic and boring. And they're clearly just like reading out what their supervisor has told them to read out. I, I completely agree. We'll, we'll go on to messaging in a minute because I'd love to know how you kind of um, utilize video for that. But to everyone who's listening, I know that so many people, so many salespeople, sales teams that I meet that just aren't anywhere near starting with video. What do you use? What do you actually use to record your videos? What happens between idea, I'm going to do a video and it's published on LinkedIn? What does that process look like? Yeah, so I'll be completely honest. It's a very amateur uh, setup. So I basically have um, an Instagram account and it's called something like Workhole. Um, I have no followers on there, anything like that. It's purely for me to record um, videos on there. So I use the live Instagram tool where you can basically set your phone up. It records for you for as long as you want to. Um, And that's basically what I do. So record a video on there um, and then watch it back if I can bear it. um, And then basically just post it on LinkedIn in and think of a cool quirky caption i love that do you know what i love about that and don't feel bad about the sort of you know amateur side of it the reality is video needs to be scalable every single salesperson around the world needs to be able to create video because it's going to become you know as equally valuable it already is in, in reality but over the years it will be seen in equal value as cold calling you know it is how we communicate these days. But what I love is that's an, a sort of an angle to creating video I'd not heard before, but something that so many people could do because most salespeople will have a, a, a smartphone. Most people will probably have an Instagram account or at least could create a dummy one to do it. What a really easy way to get started. Create an Instagram account, use your phone and create videos. Um, that's a really cool, simple, easy way to do it. Uh, and then you sort of yeah upload it onto... Um, upload it onto, onto LinkedIn. Let's go into, into the messaging side of things as well. So we've talked about video content, which you do fantastically, and we've understood now kind of the process you go through to, to do it. Obviously, that's great for creating inbound inquiries and also obviously building your personal brand, giving value to your audience. From an outbound sales perspective, messaging is where it comes in, where you can start actually proactively you know, messaging prospects. What was it like getting into video and sort of voice notes. I noticed you did a post about that quite recently. How have you found that compared to cold calling? And and again, the sort of process of recording videos for people? Yeah. So obviously recording a video um, to someone, you have to do your research beforehand. Um, I think with a video, the whole purpose of it is to make it really personalized and to make that person feel special, not only because you're sending them a video, but also because you've picked up some facts about them, you know, maybe on their LinkedIn or other social platforms that you've researched them on. And that's the whole idea of it. So obviously it does take a little bit longer um, in order to do that research. But from my experience, I personally think it's so worth it. Um, 
I'll be completely transparent. I'm not a massive fan of email blasts. Um, I just think they're boring. I know that if I was on the receiving end, I wouldn't open it. It would go straight into my trash. Um, Whereas though, if you're looking at your phone and you see you've got a video message or even a voice note from someone, you're going to listen to that or you're going to watch it. And if that person is actually vocalizing, oh yeah, I could see that you posted this on LinkedIn. That was great. I really wanted to reach out. That's going to make you want to research on me. Um, And yeah, I think that the kind of the results from that are, are, you know, clear from my own experience. And it's definitely something I'm a big advocate for. What's your current balance of sort of time and volume that you spend on the phone compared to video messaging compared to voice notes? What's that split kind of looking like for you at the moment? So LinkedIn is definitely my main tool. Um, So the process that I typically go through is I will connect with someone Mm -hmm. um, and I'll send like a a personalized message to make sure that they accept. Then I'll send a voice note, then maybe a follow-up message to that voice note. And then if they don't reply to that, then they get a video message. And the kind of talk track behind that will be, I've tried sending you a voice note. I've tried sending you a follow-up message and you haven't responded, but I love a challenge. So here's a video message. I hope this gets your attention. Um, So as you can imagine, that can take up quite a bit of time. But like I say, I think it pays off. And I think for me, it's the best form of outreach. Um, That's not to say that I kind of completely neglect uh, emails or calls. Um, So I'd say it's probably like 70% LinkedIn and then maybe 20% calls and 10% to emails. That sounds sounds pretty decent. And I think I know you keep sort of um, going back to the whole, I know it takes a lot of time and and you're right, but it's not a massive amount of time. And I fully agree with you, quality over quantity when it comes to prospecting and outreach is, is massively a big thing. I can't stand email blasts, spam messaging, you know, anything where it's sort of a copy, paste, send, copy, paste, send, try and spray out to as many people as possible and hope someone comes back to you. I would much rather spend two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes focusing on a product, uh, a prospect that I know or believe I can help and really do the due diligence, the homework, and then, you know, be persistent in a polite way. I mean, I love the the sort of soft script you gave then for that video message because it's so... You know, you're just being honest. You know, you're referencing to the fact that you're trying, but that you love a challenge. And, you know, someone's going to watch that and it's going to make them smile because you're not just, hi, this is, you know, uh, Holly, I'm here trying to sell you something. This is, you know, I'm just a salesperson. Sorry, I haven't managed to get you, but I'm going to keep trying because I really want to help you. And that's a really nice way to kind of go about it. Um, How have you found the personal brand impacts that? Because obviously you're doing all of that behind the scenes, you're sending the messages, you're, you know, generating your business. Does the content you share on the front end of LinkedIn, the videos and stuff, does that help? Have you had prospects mention it or reference it? I mean, I'd like to hope so. Um, So something (laughs) I have started doing is when I do a video that is kind of specific to G2, I add my calendar link in the description of the video. So I say, you know, if you want to talk about, I don't know, review generation, for example, then click the link and let's have a conversation. Um, And off the back of that, I have had a few meetings um, and they tend to be quite fun. And they tend to be people that have obviously, you know, watched the video, they've engaged with it, they like 
market um, and they know a bit of what I'm about. They know they're not about to get on a call with a really serious salesperson. Um, and that's, you know, it's kind of sets the tone for the conversation, um, which is quite fun. So, yeah. And then I think as well, once you've obviously connected with someone and you message them, if they're thinking, oh, I want to hear a bit more, they're naturally going to go and check you out. So if you've got other content that's on your LinkedIn videos about your product or whatever it may be, that's going to you know, give you that kind of extra backup um, and probably make them want to reach out, reach back out to you more. No, I completely agree. And I kind of just want to take a moment to, I had to sort of remind myself that you've only been doing this for two months because I'm asking all these questions, digging in. And the reality is, you know, you've been doing this sort of actively for two months, which is not a lot of time, you know, but the impact you're generating in just two months is huge. Like the impact you've built already from your personal brand, obviously, you know, the effectiveness of your cadence around sort of social selling and, and leveraging LinkedIn, you know, that's, big, big progress in such a short space of time. And I have no doubt if you continue doing this, you know, in the coming two months, when you get to six months, a year, you know, your personal brand is going to continue to grow and grow and you will start to start to have a, a more frequent inbound lead frequency where people will start to come to you on a more, you know, frequent basis. When you put those calendar links up, you'll start to see more and more people booking into them and you will get to a point where you are sending those outbound messages and you will get replies saying, oh, Holly, thanks for reaching out. I love your videos that you share on LinkedIn. And it's going to have that sort of advantage. But to, to sort of just reflect on what you've achieved in two months is, is, is huge. How does it feel looking back to when you started to sort of where you are now already in, in that short space of time? Oh, well, yeah, thank you so much for that. That's really nice of you to say. And I think, yeah, it, it is kind of weird that I've only been here for two months. And, you know, I, I like to think I'm kind of doing quite well with the, the social selling side. I think, um, I think something that really works and is really powerful is just being very human, like just being yourself. When I do a video or when I reach out to someone, I never try and be overly professional or overly polite. I just try and be myself because we're all humans at the end of the day. And I think that breaking down that kind of imaginary wall and that barrier is what makes the content quite watchable um, rather than, you know, thinking, okay, I'm going to do a video now. I need to be like, I can't smile. I need to be super professional and read out all these stats. Um, so I think, yeah, that's probably why I've seen, you know, a, a good bit of success. and. As you say, it is very early on for me. So I am really excited to see how I can grow the personal brand. And like for me, the dream is that people think, oh yeah, Holly Allen, like she works at G2. Let's have a conversation with her. And they reach out to me based on my content. I have no doubt if you keep up what you're doing, you will get there. I can guarantee you people already will associate you and G2 together, which is a huge thing for any salesperson to, to sort of achieve, to be remembered and connected with a brand, certainly one as big and, and fast growing as G2. Um, you know, what you've done already is is really exciting. What do you kind of see coming up in the next, I mean, we're, we're nearly at the end of 2020. As we go into next year, are there new things you're thinking about trying? Are there different areas of LinkedIn you might want to explore? What are your sort of thoughts on going into next year, how you're going to continue doing what you're doing, but maybe start to progress it or try different things? What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, so I think um, obviously having only been at G2 for like two months and the video messaging and the voice notes is something that 
they haven't really done that much before. So I'm kind of taking that on now. And I think by, you know, kind of mid 2021, I want that to be a tool and a way to communicate with people that everyone is using. Um, I really want to kind of prove that I think it's a really great way and a really effective way to reach out to people and get meetings, um, you know, and get leads. Um, so I think if I can really establish that and be known as the girl that did that, the girl that joined, sent all these voice notes to people and suddenly we got loads more clients, then that would be something that would really excite me. But I think in terms of um, like planning, like I say, I don't really have a plan. Um, I don't really plan my videos. Um, For me, it's more about what comes to me um, when it does. And if it's a a good idea and if I think it's going to be good content, then I'll post it. So hopefully with experience, those ideas will keep coming. I imagine you are going to be spearheading the G2 social selling um, sort of uh, push throughout the sales teams. Uh, I, I imagine you're doing it already, but I, I can see next year you're really sort of taking that to the to the next level. Have you um, have you used LinkedIn Stories yet? No, I haven't. So I'm a little bit mixed on them. Um, do you use them? What are your thoughts? <laughs> nice, nice turnaround. Um, I, I do a little bit, and I think I'm the same as you. Mixed sort of feelings. I look at them maybe once or twice a week as in the stories that, you know, coming up from my network. And of the ones I look at, very, very few ever stand out to me or make any significant impact. Um, The only times I've done them is to sort of try and share something that I think is worthy, but it's really tricky at the moment. I think especially in the UK where we're in a lockdown, you know, (laughs) we're not out and about doing a lot of crazy things. I think if I was out with teams training or traveling, speaking, things like that, there probably would be more exciting stuff that I could document. So I don't know, go on, what were your sort of initial thoughts? Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. I think um, what I wouldn't want it to turn into for me personally is just like an Instagram story tool. You know, I could very easily go on there and post a photo of my working from home setup. Um, I know that was a a phase when lockdown started, but realistically, is anyone going to be interested in that? Probably not. Um, And I think that, to be completely honest, I think if you're just posting photos of your cup of tea or whatever it may be, just to have a story on there, that's probably going to annoy people rather than work in your favor. Um, So personally, just like you, unless I had anything really cool or interesting to share, which given the current climate um, is highly unlikely, then I probably wouldn't be using it. <laughs> I like that. And that's something that goes back to what we started talking about on this episode, and that is forced content. And I love how you aren't putting content out for the sake of putting content out, which a lot of people do. They kind of, and you know, don't, don't get me wrong, I will talk about the need for consistency and the need for being present as much as possible, but it's finding that balance of, okay, I'm going to be consistent, but I'm also going to make an effort and try and find content that's going to be valuable and not just post something for the sake of posting something. That's a really important balance to get, which I think, you know, you've sort of nailed at the moment, but I agree. Stories are new. People are obviously testing them out. Um, What about LinkedIn Live? Have you ever thought about doing that? Obviously you're quite, you know, a master with recorded videos, although you say it takes a bit of time. How would you feel about doing a LinkedIn Live? Oh, maybe that could be a, a plan and a goal to reach for 20. 20- okay, slightly awkward pause in the recording there for everyone who's listening. Um, halfway through our conversation, I had some builders start doing some work um, where I am, which meant we had to kind of pause. So we're coming back and 
more my fault than anything. Couldn't really remember where we were kicking off from. So we're going to jump into a slightly different uh, point of conversation, but one I really wanted to cover in today, and that is looking at the wider team, the wider sales team's use of, of social. So, you know, Holly, you work at G2, G2, huge company. And I've had quite a few conversations with Enrique and, you know, very exceptional leader to kind of have for a business. What's been the sort of leadership influence and, and how is the team embracing social at the moment? Yeah, so I've been super lucky in that I've come in basically saying, I want to send voice notes, I want to send video messages. And even though that's something that's a little bit different for the team, they've literally said, go for it. At the end of the day, if this works, if you can get us meetings, then do it. Um, And that's why I think I've kind of come in and I feel like I've got a point to prove because I want it to work. um, And I want to be able to say, look, I said this, it's not something that you were doing before, but look how, you know, look how it's working now. Um, And yeah, amazing to have Henrique as that kind of leadership figure. Obviously he does loads on LinkedIn, um, which is great. And when I had my interview, we kind of went a bit off topic and we were chatting all about LinkedIn and which led me to talk about how much I wanted to kind of come to G2 and start the social selling um, as a as a BDR. Um, so yeah, having him there as a figure who's constantly supporting me um, to go and do videos. He was the one that came up with the idea of putting my calendar link in, in the description. Um, so having that uh, is, is really great. I like that. And um, I think it was oh, maybe four months ago now, I remember it was this year, but I did the the sort of uh, in bed chat with Enrique. And, I mean, that was it was the most bizarre bit of content I think I've ever been a part of. But it was such a unique idea, and that's again going back to creating good, authentic, high value content. You know, no one else is doing interviews in bed, and that was a really quirky thing to do. And again, they put a lot of effort, Enrique and Laura, into the the sort of production quality, doing great introductions, building a bit of story into it. In fact. You know, a bit of a, a spoiler alert. That's the reason I have this crown on my um, on my ah. bookshelf because they sort of titled me as the king of LinkedIn and said, "Why don't you get a crown?" So I ended up ordering a crown for that video, and it's uh, yeah stayed on my my bookshelf ever since. So <laughs> credit to Laura and Enrique for the uh, for the crown. Um, we talked a lot, obviously, about video today, but voice notes is something as well that's proving to become really, really effective. How was that sort of journey in the first voice notes that you sent? And how did you find that? And how are you finding them converting at the moment? Yeah, so to give you a bit of background, the reason why I wanted to do them in the first place was because on my WhatsApp, uh, I just constantly voice note with my friends back and forth all the time. Um, I'm too lazy to text and I've often got a lot that I want to say. So I thought this is a really powerful tool. And sometimes when I'm WhatsApping my friends, they'll type something and I think, oh, does she mean that? And how does she mean that? Is she is she moody with me? Whereas though on a voice note, you don't have that problem. So I thought, okay, well, if I can voice note a prospect and they can hear my voice, they can hear that I'm not just a boring salesperson that's just sending them a generic message that's going to everyone, but it's personalized and 
ultimately I'm a real human being, that's going to hopefully get a reaction. And I'll be honest, so far it's been great. Um, a lot of people, even if you know they're not interested in G2 or it's not the right time for them, they will reply. And obviously that's what you want. You want someone who's going to reply and say, look, it's not the right time, but I've had quite a few people say like, I never normally respond to cold outreach, but love the voice note. It was really original. Um, and ultimately, you know, that's what we want. Yeah. Do you find many of yours coming back to you in a written message or do you find many of them returning the voice note message? So the majority come back written, um, although I have had a few that have come back with voice notes. And funnily enough, I had a lady the other day who um, was really excited. As she said, she didn't even realise you could do voice notes on LinkedIn and it was her first ever one. And I'm not even sure she was interested in what I was trying to talk to her about, but because she was so excited about the voice note and the outreach, I got a meeting from that, which was really exciting. Love that. I love that. That sort of, yeah, you're doing something new. And I, I mean, I did a quick example. I had a decision maker um, contact me, I think it was at the beginning of the year, really excited because they received their first video message from a salesperson and they'd never received one before. And you're right. I, I say these aren't, this isn't like breaking edge kind of stuff. This isn't brand new. Video messaging has been around for a while now. You know, voice notes, probably a little bit newer, but still been around for some time. But so many salespeople aren't utilizing them as you and I were sort of talking about earlier, you know, a lot of salespeople are just using email automation tools and cold calling of which we know only the tiniest percentage actually connect and get through. So the the majority of it doesn't even get to the person. They probably don't even know that you're calling them. They just see an unknown number come. So it's kind of hollow in a sense. So these sort of tools are becoming really effective. But I like what you say. A, you've said it throughout this entire episode, which is the importance of personalization. Make it about them. It's not about reading off a script. You've got to go and do a little bit of homework. But the fact they get to hear your voice, they get to hear your personality. You can read words and text in so many different ways. And you Mm -hmm. kind of take that away by just recording a a quick message and, and sending it. Do you I know you said for video, more on the content side, uh, it can take time. Do you find it quite easy recording voice notes or do you have to do a few takes? Um, I think once you're in the swing of it, it can be really efficient. So on LinkedIn, you have like a one minute time limit. So I never exceed that. And obviously, if you're sending someone a 40 second voice note, that's a super quick process. That's actually probably quicker than finding their email on LinkedIn and then sending them a message that they probably won't respond to. Um, And a top tip that I have, and I think a lot of people use this and know this, but it's so simple. And I think it makes such a difference is to actually get up and walk around while you're Uh, doing the voice note because sometimes I'll listen back to ones that I've sent and they haven't got responses and they're often the ones where I'm sat down and I just don't have that energy in my voice whereas though I can guarantee pretty much every single one that I send when I'm walking around I'm you know deliberately putting some more energy and intonation into my voice they get responses that is, again, I mean, Holly, you've been dropping some huge tips in this episode, but that's another really great one. I always used to do the same. I mean, I haven't cold called for, for quite a few years now because I do everything through LinkedIn, but I spent years cold calling and I used to always walk around. I'd always insist on having a wireless headset and I would just, I mean, I'd, the amount of steps I would do every single day was insane, but I found that hugely 
helped. And you're absolutely right when it comes to, to, to voice messages, the, the impact, standing, having that right posture, being able to move around, um, you know, it all has a, a big impact. So a huge tip if you're recording voice notes, even if you're making calls, moving around whilst doing it can have a significant impact on your voice, which can then have a significant impact on the way it's going to influence the person you're you're calling. Ollie, honestly, this has been one of my all-time favorite episodes. You have given so much value and so much knowledge. I'm already thinking about, I know you were nervous for this one, but I am going to be trying to persuade you to come back on for another episode because <laughs> I think we could dig so much deeper um, and, and really nail down into some of the core sort of strategies and processes and, and even like temp templates and scripts that you use for for your messaging i think we could dig a lot deeper but i want to we've got to keep this episode to its sort of time limits so i want to say a huge thank you holly for for coming and, and sharing with us your amazing wisdom from only two months um of really pushing linkedin and obviously two months in g2 i cannot wait to see what the following sort of months and over the next year is going to hold for you but um just before we sort of go what would be a couple of your top tips for any of the listeners or watchers who are consuming this episode what would be some of your closing top tips to kind of get them out there using linkedin a bit more effectively yeah so i'd say if you're scared to do a video maybe you've been thinking about it for a while but just haven't quite mustered up the courage just remember while you're recording it it's just you and your camera if it goes wrong, it goes wrong. You don't have to post it anywhere. So don't be afraid. Um, and my second tip would be, do not be a robot. Um, try different things. Don't follow the crowd. If you're thinking, oh, I want to send a voice note and I've got a cool quirky thing that I could say, but I don't know if it's going to work, just try it. Um, doing things like that and trying to stand out from the crowd are going to get you responses. Whether it's a yes or a no from a prospect, it's better than not having any response at all. Um, so yeah, they would be my two top tips. Fantastic top tips to close off what has been an absolutely tip-packed episode. Holly, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, have a great rest of the day. And I look forward to hopefully getting you back on the Social Selling Podcast very soon. Yes, definitely. Thank you so much, Daniel. Speak soon. <laughs> Take care. Damn, Daniel. 